Hello and welcome to the Forums podcast on Monday the 26th of February and joining me on this edition, Assistant Editor Steve Withers. Call no man happy who is not dead. And audio reviewer Ed Selly. We fought in the swamp. Hello, welcome back to the AV Forums podcast. A little bit unusual as uh, we are recording this on a Sunday morning. You can tell we're getting older um, because we've got nothing better to do on a Sunday morning. When we were younger, I'm sure, I, I mean, I, at least I used to sleep till at least lunchtime. I'll be coming in on a Sunday morning. That's what yeah, I'm probably. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're probably right. About ten a.m. Yeah, I'd be I'd be walking through the door and go to my bed. Yeah, so getting older, recording podcasts on a Sunday, and I've just had my overnight oats as well. So <laughs> how old am I? I've just um, handed my son to my father, who is now being treated to Blaze and the Monster Machines, which I don't think he's ever seen before. Um, which is going to be interesting. I look forward to being de- debriefed when the podcast is over <laughs> as to how that's gone. So yes. Yeah, and in what excitement have you been up to, Steve? I had breakfast, and I watched a David Attenborough documentary, and then washed up, <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then came into the home cinema to do this. <laughs> rock and roll. Yeah, rock and roll lifestyle indeed. Ed, what can we win in the current competitions? You can win The Juice, complete first season on Blu-ray, uh, and that's got some spectacular nudity in, I'm led to believe, uh, and that's open <laughs> until the 28th of February, so you'll need to get a shift on if you're listening to this. Uh, Jigsaw on 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray, and a Blu-ray box set of all seven Saw films, signed by actor Tobin Bell, who plays Jigsaw. And as we've said before, that's a very cool prize, um, and that's open until the 7th of March, and you can win Thor Ragnarok on 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray, and you've got until the 9th of March for that one. Okay, any previous competition winners? There are not. Okay, and uh, just a reminder, you can still claim your free case of craft beer, thanks to uh, beer52.com forward slash AVF. They are a beer club, so it's a monthly beer club, you pay your dues and you get sent eight craft beers, uh, a ferment magazine and a tasty snack every month. Your first month is free. If you want to sign up, it's beer52.com forward slash AVF and uh, get yourself signed up there. You'll get a free uh, craft beer box. All you do is you pay for the delivery, which is £5.95 delivery. And uh, have they all been good beers? Because you got one of these, Ed. Yeah, the old ones I've had have been excellent. So, I mean, and, and someone has put some genuine thought into curating it. It's not just a box of, you know, eight things they picked off a supermarket. There's some really unusual stuff there and it's 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 very very good so yeah well worth a look well worth a look okay so if you want to do that it's beer52.com forward slash avf and you can claim your free case and of course you can give it up at any time Uh, you can uh, walk away with no catch as well so beer52.com forward slash avf and we're back in a sec with hardware news Okay, so moving on to hardware news, and uh, this weekend was the big Bristol Sound and Vision show. Uh, which year is this? Is this 31 or 32 years it's been running? It's been it's running lots. a long time. It's been, I think the, the last time I was there would have been about seven or eight years ago. I haven't been for such a long time, but I, I, I was certainly there for its 21st birthday, so it will be. It'll be about 31 years now that that show has been running. Uh, so like I say, I haven't been for a long time, but Steve and Ed were there uh, on Friday. Uh, we're recording this on the Sunday, like we said. So um, what was it like, guys? Well, I'd have to say one of the things that did a, uh, stand out to me was it's a, it was a lot busier. Now, was this, was this show-wide or were you just following the traffic around? Because if you follow no, the traffic around... No, no, it was no. consistently busy was from floor packed. 10 to the basement. Yeah, it was heaving. And given that it's the Friday, which is actually the press and trade day, rather than when the general public largely come, which is on the Saturday, um, I should imagine that yesterday it was even busier. And, and I was surprised because, like we said in previous podcasts, it's um, 
it's been gradually we, we'd seen numbers diminishing over over the course of the last few years um i guess reflecting perhaps uh, a lack of interest or a lack of you know maybe people are in more financial difficulty and um, the whole market's been a bit um depressed so that was reflected in the attendance numbers but uh, this year absolutely heaving and that's good to see i think and good to see that the show in general uh was in rude health in terms of attendance numbers and also i think in terms of at least hi-fi products uh, was again a strong show but if you're a vision fan if you're an av fan it, it was probably the nadir as far as that goes because uh literally there was a optoma demo of their uh said 65 projector there was a, a cracking bit of demo, um, subwoofer demo going on at the, in the SVS stand, as you'd expect, with some serious bass. And also, Emotivo were there with their 16-channel processor. After that, though, I'm struggling to think of anything. There was Sony. Um, Sony, well, yeah. Sony were doing their demo, but they were doing exactly the same demo they did last year. A stuff that's Rel been out for a year. some stuff. Yeah, uh, but they weren't demoing it, were they? It wasn't really on. It was just well, there were two rooms. show. Oh, yeah, there was a the second room. And um, JL Audio had their 16 grand sub, which... Um, that that's an impressive piece of kit. I mean, obviously, it probably ought to be for the price of a of a Ford Focus. But no, that, that was it. The thing I was actually saying before we uh, started the recorder, there was AV stuff there, um, but the decision has been taken that dero- demoing uh, two channel is, I suppose, both simpler and is going to appeal to more of the people coming through the door. Um, you can like that or lump it, but that seems to be the situation. There was some interesting AV stuff lurking. It's just as I say, it's not necessarily being run these days, but that <clears throat> stuff that is there is audio rather than display. But are they coming for two-channel, Ed? Why is all of a sudden is there an interest in two-channel audio? It doesn't make any sense if you look at the market. A lot of people are interested in headphones and high-end headphones and that kind of thing. I don't see where this two-channel resurgence is coming from. Um, some of it's tied to vinyl. If you want to go and listen to a lot of correctly set up turntables in one place, Bristol is one of the best locations in the UK to do that. Uh, there's no question about that. Um, and it's it's a compa- you know obviously Bristol remains a trade show. It's still tied to the Audio T Group, so there are certain key brands who are not there. But nonetheless, it is an opportunity to cover a lot of ground in one day for £12.50 if you are doing that. And I think it has a pull far more than what you might associate for a regional show. So, no, whilst it might not be indicative of a wider trend, although that said, two-channel numbers are, aren't are too bad by all stretch of imagination. Although turntables are down 10% this year. Yeah, but that's t- coming off the bottom. If you look at the numbers, m- let fewer people are buying Crosleys to turn their turn their records into an unplayable mess. And also, this is, if you like, one of the, leads on to one of the other areas, which is you know both of affects the people selling it and the people buying it. If you buy a decent record player, anything, you know, some sort of three hundred pounds upwards, and there were some cracking examples of that at the show, doesn't need to be replaced yearly, Phil. It's good for. 10 years um so there will be a natural fall off as people buy a turntable that they're happy with and a smaller number of people will continue to move up the upgrade ladder but once you've got a relatively decent turntable there's no immediate requirement to do that in the way that av has gone oh it's two years down the line your receiver is now largely a paperweight it's time to buy another one that's not I mean, happening obviously ed you've got your biases there and uh 
uh, let's go to Steve because Steve, uh, you're definitely the other way around uh, when it comes to biases, if you have any, <laughs> um, or prejudices, if you have any. Um, to you, I mean, would you have paid twelve pound fifty for that show? Oh yes, um, I probably would have out of out of a habit rather than an expectation, uh, because whilst Ed is right, there were certain things there, not necessarily demoing, but you could look at, you know, we just listed a number of subwoofers and some uh, and some processors and uh, and receivers but if you're talking about sound and vision on the vision side of things there was almost nothing almost nothing um there that you could class as vision um which is you know compared to when you were last there phil when you would have had sim sim 2 doing a big projector demo you had jvc doing a projector demo you'd have had optoma and sony and um, I'm trying to think of what it might have been there. You well, know, P- Pioneer was still there with Plasma. So Pioneer was, still, was there. Plasma, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so there was a, a lot of... I remember Philips were there, actually. But that, what, what, yeah, that's the right. first time yeah. I went to it, they had a big demo of TVs. So there was a lot of vision on show. And it was a place where many people first saw properly done, well done projection and got a taste of what you could achieve in the home as opposed to what they're probably used to, which is probably in a pub or something like that. So I think that aspect of the show was really key to driving... The projector market uh, and to some extent TV market as well um, amongst enthusiasts and, and the general public in the early earlier days. But now it's it's you know it, the vision aspect is is largely <laughs> you know as I say right. So would you Optoma. would you agree with Ed then that there is this big resurgence in two channel? Does, does that stack up or is it just a case yeah. of it's something for people to do on a weekend? I, I think there is a resurgence in two-channel. I, I think this is fast, quickly becoming the Bristol Hi-Fi show um, rather than the Sound and Vision show, judging by my experiences on Friday. Um, and, I, I, and I think it's partly um, because, it is, as Ed said, it's easier to do a two-channel demo than to do a multi-channel demo. I mean, even um, Arcam, for example, were doing a two-channel demo, whereas last year um, they had a big full-on uh, 7.2 point uh, or 7.4.4 uh, Atmos set up, but there's a lot of you know hassle in terms of having to put up a gantry and rigging to put overhead speakers up. Uh, you know, there's a lot involved in doing a big, full-on multi-channel demo, um, projector screens, projectors, the whole works. Uh, and they obviously decided just to do a two-channel demo this year. And there was, so there's been no question that shift towards two-channel has been obvious for the last few years. But this year, it, it was it really did border on being a hi-fi show, uh, and the AV aspects were minimal. Certainly in terms of AV demos. I mean, there may have been AV products there, but in terms of AV demos, uh, very, very limited. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I think Ed's got a point. I think it was a what, what, Why they're pushing Hi-Fi more than anything else to channel is you know, open for debate, but there's no question that's what's happening. Is it vinyl, though? Or is it more that the I fact don't think it's vinyl. No, I, I don't. I don't think it's vinyl either. And and I know Ed loves vinyl, and he's going to push that. Point, well, no, but, but there is an element, as I say, it goes back to the fact that for the people that are interested in it, it's an opportunity to see lots of them in one yes, place. But we, no, we there were some excellent headphone. There were some excellent headphone demonstrations, and obviously they're extreme, extremely effective to do. There was a lot of you know there were various different options, some quality digital. Um, well, all this, sorts is, of things, but this is what I wanted to come on to. You just cover a lot of ground in one day across all sorts of different bits and bobs. So is the real driver to this, Ed, quality streaming of music and, and the fact that you can now get your hands on tens of thousands of mu- music tracks and discover new music far easier than you've ever been able to? Is that what's driving the possible two channels and the higher uh, res in terms of uh, the likes of Tidal and uh, the other one that you're going to review this month. Is is that Partly, driving it? 
partly, but um, it's as much that you, whilst this is, it's something you, you can do additionally, but you're not having to do, and it doesn't require you to do anything catastrophic to your existing accrued library of material. I mean, there were some actually some, I mean, the Inuos and the Melco people, um, I mean, I know within the constraints of the forum, these specialist NAS drives are viewed with a certain degree of scepticism, but there's no question that they're extremely stable, extremely good at ripping your existing legacy collection in a very consistent way. So you can do that and then bolt on streaming services and high-res downloads. It's not requiring you to leave anything behind, and it can, you know, decent digital is still going to drag more out of your, you know, your original purchase CDs from 25 years ago. Yeah, so obviously, so, I mean, there's there's a big market, like you said, for headphones and that. So what are people listening, you know, where, where are they plugging their headphones into? Um, they generally seem to be plugging them into, um, you know, if you like, conventional headphone amplifiers and, and the like. That seems based on really? one really? snap. I, yes. I, would, I would have thought it would have been the phone. No. Because their phones, that ironically, at the show were the answers to all to what people are plugging into their phones. There were some really, really good wireless options, and not just affordable wireless options. One of the things in the show report is AKG's latest in-ear, so thousand pounds, you know, so serious money. But AKG have designed it so it can be run conventionally wired at home into a laptop or you know Mojo and things like that. But then you can switch its wiring over and turn it into a wireless Bluetooth one to take out. That's clever. That's covering all the bases. I've said in a couple of reviews recently, and I, you know, I have anic- you know, anecdotal feedback from manu- manufacturers that this, um, you know, the the high end connecting um, items to your phone thing, uh, you know, using via DAX, etc. Just, you know, the the technology, the, the equipment's there. It's just not really flying off the shelves. What since headphone socket started to be removed, what is being what is driving the phone market is is wireless earphones and headphones, and they have gone bananas, and they've gone bananas at various different price points. So full size headphones are being used largely in in home and semi portable setups, not full mobile ones. Steve, what's your thoughts on this? What people are plugging their headphones into, or what are they they're using as a source? I think. It's probably right that, that if you're buying a pair of headphones, it's not necessarily being used with a phone, um, you know, a mobile phone. I think at the show, at least, there were a lot of headphones were being used. There were a lot of amplifiers there. There were a lot of uh, streaming devices. And I think you're right that the drive to high-quality streaming services and access to more high-quality um, digital audio is certainly driving the two-channel revolution, as we're seeing at things like Bristol. But... Um, Wireless headphones are, are, I think, the way forward when people are using their phones rather than than wired ones, because of the you know because the ease and the fact that things like Apple have dropped a headphone socket, so now people are just using Bluetooth predominantly. Um, but uh, in terms of higher end headphones, yeah, I think I think it is for use at home rather than on the move, and uh, and for use with um, better quality amplifiers, receivers, or or um, sort of all-in-one streaming devices, of which I saw there were some... Oh, God, there were all-in-ones all over the place. All that over the was shop, a major driver. That's definitely yeah. a major growth market. All-in-one systems, um, I'd say, are, are certainly going to be a big well, driving force. It, it makes sense now, though, doesn't it, Ed? I mean, there, there, there's no need to have all the separate components nowadays if you can do everything in one, and especially no. especially if your, your sources are digital. There's, exactly. There's no need there's for no, it. No need whatsoever, um, especially given that... Um, for the most part, they're not fitting CD mechs in them either. 
which is usually a major consumer of space. We've had this conversation. I've reviewed a number of all-in-ones over the last two years where I would struggle to assemble a selection of separates that did the same amount of things for the same any better, and it would take up a vast amount more space, and it wouldn't be as slick to use. So, no, um, separates have you, it's something that people would make a very conscious decision to go down that route, and it honestly, unless you're all up system price, your budget for that for a single source amplifier and speakers is north. Do you know what I'm going to put it out there? Unless you are going to want you want to spend five grand, honestly, I'd go all in one. I mean, some of the ones I've played with over the last two years, I mean, from Name, from Sim Audio, the Auralic, some of the more specialist ones that, you know, we've seen from, um, you know, Convert Technologies and things like that. There's one for all seasons. And unless you want something very specific, like a valve amplifier or, or things like that, no, there, there really isn't much point going below £5,000 with a with a full separate system, which may or may not sound elitist, but if you want the most bang for your buck, just go all in one. I was going to say, I didn't go in as many any many hi-fi rooms as you did, Ed, um, but there didn't seem to be, to me, as many of the sort of large esoteric valve amps that you used to see at the Bristol show. It seemed no, a lot but more digital. again, there is, let's, there, there is an element that the, the dealers that do that are increasingly specialist and it's what they do well and to be fair, in 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 the interest of everybody, it's not an audio T thing. Right. So they, they, it's not that they haven't gone away. They remain. They've they've got their niche. I don't think the niche is getting any bigger or getting any smaller. But it's not part of what audio t- is not part of the this sort of retail end of things. But no, it's not. It, uh, there is a, also a sense that the stuff. The, the, even some of the more expensive systems on display were still quite practical things. They had sensible footprints, usually. I mean, they might have weighed more than the moon, but they didn't take up a huge amount of space whilst they did it. So, yeah, it was there was an element of sort of real world. Even when the price tags were big, it's still stuff that you could fit into a UK lounge and get working in a UK lounge. And, uh, there is an element of pragmatic realism to a lot of the stuff that we saw at the show certainly okay so i want to move on because you you mentioned there uk lounge uh, one item in one room but the big push over the last couple of years has been uh, a lot of these wireless speakers and multi-room systems like uh, uh, music cast heos uh, there's other right, manufacturers wanting to do their own thing sonos and now you've got the Google speakers and the, you know, the, the Amazon speakers and all the rest of it. Was any of that covered at the show? Uh, because that seems to be a, a huge growth area. Um, now, there's, yes, there were a number of wireless speakers, not that many of them running. I mean, for example, Dynaudio had brought all of theirs with them, and they're very cool-looking things. We'll hopefully have a look at some of those over the course of the year. Um, but no, they've gone for a conventional conventional demonstration. Um, the, their demonstration was of a what it was a Bluetooth speaker, wasn't it? Though, well, it, they alternated, and I, I didn't realize that the only times I went in there, they were playing conventional speakers. Oh, was that so? Good? So I was a bit bit lost on that. They just hidden the electronics around the corner, Steve. That was the thing. <laughs> um, that it's a weird one. It's it's big, Phil, no question. But at the moment, um, if you're looking at that sort of thing, Sonos has a category killer product, and uh, most other people aren't quite ready yet. Um, we were having an off-the-record conversation with someone in the bar on Friday evening about the um, fun and games. Uh, uh, Alexa integration is the simplest 
of the three rival services google amazon and apple to get going but even then it's still you still have to be able to mesh it with what alexa does and at the moment sonos has got that sort of up and running and obviously the uh you know the own brand products from the companies have got it up and running but everyone else is running to catch up and i suspect we'll see lots more of them in 2019 than we did this year but no it's a big thing it's just not necessarily a big thing for the specialist manufacturers yet so so obviously the in hi-fi circles they're not turning their noses up at this technology then no not at all no no um and that was evident all the way back to munich last year there's none of this oh it's nothing to do with us it's like this is going to be enormous but it's going to take a little bit of time to make it work um I mean, it would appear that one of the products that's doing the rounds at the moment harmony the remote people have built a device which has got it and so it you use alexa to say turn the amp on and then it fires out ir to actually do that and things like that so that's a quick win thing but when yeah. you're a, a natural audio manufacturer and you've got to actually make it do quite complicated things it can be done um and there's plenty of talented software people out there to do it but it you can't do it overnight it takes a bit of time um so i suspect next year will be the point where everyone is shouting randomly at their equipment during demos so for you <laughs> for you um I, i'm gonna want two things from you i want your most niche product that that blew you away and i also want your mass market product and prediction for 2018 ed right um product that blew me away i'm going to disqualify anything that I saw in Vegas because we've already discussed that. So the Technics SL1000 was there. It was still amazing. <laughs> Just a cracking... 14 grand. <laughs> yeah, alright. It, it was only 14 grand. I thought it was going to be at least 19. Exactly. I thought it was, it was... You know, don't get me wrong. It's not like I've suddenly decided that I'm going to going all in on one. But it's, it, <laughs> it's, it's, it's less than I thought it was going to be. It, so that was fantastic. It was disappointing. The plinth that I saw in the photograph said it just looked like a, an SL1200. 1200 plinth no not in the flesh it doesn't right trust me this. okay um it, that i'm going to disqualify that the cord and and so on and so forth so that being the case the product where i listened to it and i thought bloody hell that's astonishing um is a little british speaker company called kudos they turn up every year and they generally supply a new product every year um it's in the show report it's called the titan 505 um, it's the smallest member of the, and it's the first stand mount in the Titan series. It's not cheap. It's, it's going to be over five grand, somewhere between five and six thousand pounds. But honest to God, you know, there's a we we all know in both AV and two channel, there's a difference between having lots of bass and having great bass. Those speakers had truly, even in a crappy hotel room, they had truly astonishing low end. They just unbelievably good and um yeah i would that, that was the product where i thought do you know what that would work in my lounge uh, they look quite nice and yeah yeah i'm well up for that <laughs> um mass market is a tougher one to call i'm tempted to say that it depends how i mean wh where are we defined i mean is this going to be under a grand no, not 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 necessarily price, but obviously, where is where's the mass market going? So, where is the where are the masses going to go with two channel this year? And what was um, the and gonna, what, what, gonna, was the, um, what was the what was the product? Going year is go, they're going to buy more all in one systems, um, and essentially, if you looked at the number of them being used in various different rooms as as demonstration equipment had been loaned out, 
name have got their unities up and run you know they're in full product full swing production now and essentially it that that message there was come and be better than this because that's a very tall order because those are really beautifully realized products and from all the way down to quite sensible money um up to and including the sort of four to five thousand pound point all in ones are where you just add the speakers of your choice are going to be that that's going to be the driver for this year there's no question about that and um the side facet to that is that there were a number of additional active speaker systems where they're still all in ones because you're just attaching things to the back of the active speaker uh, i mean for example Dali's um prototype callistos things like that if you don't want to piss about with vinyl the callisto it was just so i mean even though these were you know these have been hurriedly put together for the show they were still slick as you like um really well in really well thought out attractive speakers there's a stand mount and a floor stander things like that again it still to me classifies as an all-in-one system they're in a variety of different shapes and sizes they're in a variety of different prices and essentially they are eliminating conventional separates as anything other than the specialist choice at any sensible price point and we're just going to see more and more of that over the course of the year so and then over, I was thinking and later sorry, in the later not... part of the year you're going to start being able to talk to them over alexa and I think Alexa's going to win that too. So what you what you are suggesting is that people are now actually sitting down and listening to music again rather than having it on in the background? Well, yes, but again, these systems are very flexible, Phil, because they've got digital inputs. So if you looked at it, you go, I don't necessarily, you know, soundbar. Why don't I have something which plays music really nicely? And then if I want to watch a bit of telly, it'll be on, um, I, well, some, you know, let's face it, some of them have got HDMI with audio return, and all the rest of them have got optical and so on and so forth, and you can just fire your telly out into it. And it, it does exactly the same thing, and it will still sound blinding. So, yes, people are listening to more music to an extent, but these products still work happily in the background they're just able to be a bit more exciting when you switch over from background listening to paying a bit more attention then they're, they're not demanding anything more of their owners in terms of really in terms of space in terms of complexity they're just able to deliver more bang at the same time so that's a good point about soundbars Ed, correct me if i'm wrong here i don't remember seeing very many soundbars at all no, uh, no, at the show no. but again, I mean, whether uh, I, I can't think of any soundbar demos that I saw. No, Canton had a sound plinth running, and that was about it. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, they're still absolute champions of the affordable end of things, but I, I think that's that's changing a bit as well. Uh, not least because higher end televisions tend to have them integrated on anyway, which is just heading off that part of the market. And I don't want people to think uh, I've been being rude here and asking odd questions. It's just that uh, I think somebody needs to play devil's advocate when it comes to this kind of thing and, and ask the important questions and ask questions that, that don't necessarily get asked sometimes when it comes to this kind of thing because normally we just uh, go up and, 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 and talk up loads and loads of equipment and we don't take into consideration what people are actually looking for and where the market actually goes. So it's nice to see um, there are some real plus points. Nice to see that the tendencies are up at Bristol. So Steve, same questions to you quickly because i know you i know you're not going to go into in quite as much depth but for you what were the highlights of the show <laughs> so, so i haven't got i haven't got a lot of options uh i will say uh as a sort of high-end product and given it was running in a hotel room i, I was impressed with emotiva's new processor 16 channel processor with direct live 
Um, it's not going to be cheap, but it's been designed to death and uh, it, it looked like an impressive piece of kit for anyone looking to do higher-end multi-channel uh, audio because um, this could run your full WAC 9, 9 point whatever, 9.2 or 9.4.6 um, Atmos TTSX um, or even Audio 3D setup. So it's uh, it, that was that was impressive. On the more affordable end of the market, uh, in terms of trying to throw some vision in here at all, um, Optoma are going gangbusters as far as uh, their 4K projectors are concerned. Um, they've already done the UHD 65, which you reviewed. There's a UHD 60. They've just launched a UHD 40, which interestingly doesn't use the same chipset that the 60 and 65 did. You know the the, the no, I think it's, uh, it's sort of I think it's a chipset that's in this BenQ that's just turned up for me to review. Yeah, it's it's a 1080p chip um, using. Flat, I guess it's uh, I don't know they're obviously using a 1080p chip and then creating a, a 4K image by using it four times so that's not even diagonal shift so how is it going to do that <laughs> be interesting to see what you think of that because obviously the ones you've reviewed so far have got a not a 4K chip basically a, a sort of a half yeah, resolution it's, it's like for that. So 4 million pixels 4 million times times 2 and a, and a diagonal times yeah. 2 to make 8 million this is uh, 1080p times 4 to create a 4K image on the on their UHD 40, they've also got coming soon, and this is I think a direct response to a lot of comments about the fact they dropped 3D on um, on the 60 and 65. That they will be launching soon this year, not not, not in the distant future. Uh, I think it's the UHD 50 and 55, which will have 3D. But at the show, they had the UHZ 65, which is their 4K laser projector. They were had a really big screen in the room, as big as, big as the wall was, um, where the window is in the, in the hotel room. And uh, they were showing Planet Earth 2. Uh, it looked spectacular, I have to say. Now, in talking to them, it was quite evident that color space-wise, as you've discovered already, they are limited. They yeah. can't do more than Rex 709. Um, but otherwise, there's just brightness and image detail. Uh, um, obviously, there were no black scenes, so it wasn't difficult. It was hard to tell the black quality, but uh, black levels. But um, in terms of just as, as a bright punchy 4k near 4k image um yeah it looked it looks spectacular going right up close to the screen the level of detail was impressive and uh that's going to be five grand but i will stress that that's five grand it's it's a pretty basic projector can't reach dcip3 doesn't have any any motorized lens controls so you haven't got no lens memory um so if you use a scope screen, for example, it's going to be a bit of an issue. I did ask them about that, and they said, well, you know, they'll just add to the cost. We wanted to hit a certain price point. So fair enough. But, uh, you know, there's a laser projector from uh, from Epson that's only five grand that does have all those features. So I think that, that you know, it's £5,000 isn't, isn't a ton of money for a projector, but it's still quite a lot of money for a projector. So it'd be interesting to see how Optoma fare at that higher price bracket where traditionally you see Epson and, and more, more traditionally um, Sony and uh, JVC yep. pricing. So we'll see. But it was, it was still, it looked good though, for, you know, um, colour gamut aside, I thought it was uh, what, quite What I liked picture. about the, uh, the 65, not the Z, the, the UHD 65 that I, uh, that I reviewed, what I did like about it was, it was if you don't have a back cave, which is where your JVCs and your Epsons and everything else really perform. You know, when you you've got complete light control, dark coloured walls, um, no light around the, the screen, so the lights reflecting, but no lights reflecting back on the screen and so on. That's how you get the best out of those home cinema projectors. They are home theatre projectors. That's the environment they're supposed to work in. But not everybody's got that. And if you look at a lot of the uh, 
you know, the custom installation pictures and that kind of thing. They're always white rooms or cream rooms and all the rest of it. And if you've got that yes. type of environment, it's pointless putting a JVC or a Sony or, or a, a, a Epson in there because you're not going to get the best points of those projectors because of all the light flood in the room. And that's where the Optomas really perform because they're basically yeah. light cannons and they can put the light output. And then the poor black levels, they don't look as poor. Uh, subjectively in in that room, uh, that type of room, because you know the amount of light that's fallen back onto the screen, it would wash out a JVC, and a JVC would look the same when it came to black levels because of the light pollution. Yeah. So that so that's where the the UHD sixty five really performed for me. The sharpness of the image, the nice colourful image, even though it was Rec seven nine, it was still a nice colourful punchy image. Um, and you know we shouldn't talk down Rec seven or nine. Um, it can still perform really, really well, and uh, you know you're not talking about muted colours. It's muted against DCI, but if you haven't got that next to it, you wouldn't know, would you? Really? Yeah, and as long as it's tone mapping it correctly, it's, it's not a problem, exactly. Right? Which is what the Optoma did really well as well. It, it really had a nice tone map to it as well for for HDR material. Um, so yeah, they have a strength. It's just in different areas to you know the more traditional home theatre projector, definitely. Yeah. So um, yeah, that that would be my. I just kind of. That was my highlight. Well, almost my highlight of the show. But I've got to say, uh, Ed and I did have some some really excellent interaction with some AV4 as members at this year's show. Uh, starting off with, I, I got there quite early because unlike last year where we took us three hours to get here, I got there in half an hour. So I was I got there about nine inches in the show. I hadn't even opened yet, so I got a coffee and some breakfast. And and um, the guy sat down and started talking to me, and he was in a suit. And I thought, oh, he must be a you know trade guy, maybe a distributor or exhibitor or you know, uh, maybe a PR guy, and um, starts asking me a lot of questions about what TV I'd, I'd get and this sort of stuff. And I, I suddenly realised that he was just an AV forums member who had somehow wandered in. He said, "I just wandered in. I didn't. I didn't. Even, I haven't even paid yet. I just. They thought I was a hotel guest. I think because he was in a suit." <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's a top tip for, you for next year. <laughs> yeah, you can have yeah. a, a line of people in suits. <laughs> Uh, so I was, I was chatting to him because I said to him, I said, hang on, are you not exhibiting? He goes, no, I'd say before that, I just, just sort of recognised you. I thought I'd ask you about TVs. Oh, okay. So how did you get in? It's not even open yet. And he went, oh, I just wandered in. Uh, and then he said, oh, I can ask you about turntables as well. And I went, ah, was it turntables or DAX? I, can't DAX. Remember. I think it was DAX, yeah. I said, Ed's your man. He's on his way. Hang on a second. And he just arrived and then he asked you about DAX. So that was a good start to <laughs> the show. Then about halfway through the show, I was in the corridor, like lugging the bloody tripod and camera trying to work, work, work through the crowds. And this guy goes, oh, Steve, Steve. I'm like, Hello. And he goes, uh, I really love the podcast. I thought, oh, great. And he goes, um, so I'll tell you, I'll give you a mention on the podcast. So his name is Stephen Whitefield. Um, <laughs> hi, Stephen. Uh, and, he, and he said, uh, can I take a selfie? <laughs> I went, you serious? He went, yeah, all right. So that was my first um, selfie, <laughs> celebrity <laughs> selfie with somebody. Um, he had asked a question about, um, t- he wants to know about head- was it headphones or turntables, because again, I brought turntables. him to head- yeah. turntables this time, yes. I said, I know the man, you want to talk to him about turntables, so I brought him to Ed. And then at the end of the show, there was the Clarity uh, Awards, you know, where they sort of like best stand and sort of stuff. They had a, a free bar before the before they did the awards and Ed, Ed and I were standing there drinking I have to say non-alcoholic uh, Heineken no uh, Budweiser wasn't it and this guy starts chatting to us from Northern Ireland uh, again I assumed he was an installer or something like that and 
I did wonder why he had three drinks in his hand. And then uh, it just dawned on me that he was Navy <laughs> Forest member again. He had crashed, crashed the clarity party. Uh, I don't think he didn't realise it was a it was a party. He just saw the bar and thought, oh, bar. And um, then they said, well, we can't put, get, sell you a drink because we haven't got any change, which is why he had three drinks on me because he only had a tenner. So they gave him three drinks for a tenner. Uh, and I said to him, because you know, he was talking about retiring soon. And I said, I said what, what, from a custom install? He went, no, no, I'm, I'm a policeman in Northern Ireland. I went, what are you doing at the Clarity Awards? He goes, oh, no, I'm just a Navy Force member, and I recognised you and thought, the chat. <laughs> I think that was that was Nigel Henry, if you're listening, Nigel. Hello. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so it was, it, was a fun, it was a fun day. At that hang respect. on, hang on, hang on. We're turning into a Sunday morning dedication show. This can't yeah. happen. We'll be, pl- we'll, be playing, come- we'll be playing love songs in a minute. If we're do. doing also, if we're doing weird stuff, can I also say, I had Omanar about putting this in the show report, but felt that it, possibly wasn't exactly what the members were looking for. I had a 15 minute demonstration of a psychic box at the show as well. <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, well, for reasons I don't necessarily want to go into on the podcast, um, it, it doesn't necessarily work properly with me at the moment, apparently. Um, but I'm delighted to, to, to term we actually communicate subconsciously with each other on a two-way sort of frequency band that travels faster than light um so that's exciting travels faster than light all the laws of physics (laughs) look i'm just relaying what i was told all right um (laughs) the boxes are available for sale um and yeah that was one of the more illuminating was that was that next to the cable manufacturers was it uh, the man may also make cables i i I feel that that (laughs) is do you want to to mention the special uh not glue, whatever it was, uh, liquid. That really annoys me because that did seemingly make the magic goo made us <laughs> actually seem to make a difference. Um, so yeah, let's not let's not dig down into that particular <laughs> rabbit, hole. <laughs> rabbit hole. It's a polymer developed to keep contacts clean in things like the nuclear industry, where going in and giving it a quick clean isn't the easiest thing in the world to do. And yeah, that was really annoying. Or working with really volatile chemicals, where the tiniest electrical spark would blow the whole building up. Very so bad. Has to be totally non-conductive, and uh, yeah, so they, they, that's what it was developed for. But they were putting it all over the connections on cables and on, <laughs> on the actual sources. And, so, they, uh, so they were actually and, rubbing the snake oil into the. <laughs> They were, well, they, were, they, were, they were pre-rubbed, pre-rubbed. Um, but no, can we be clear about this? Both Steve and I were stone cold sober, and placebo, placebo, different, different parts of the room, and we watched what was done. I mean, in so much as it's got to the stage now where it's like the magic circle, where you have to, if, if there is, if there is, if there is sleight of hand going on. I don't know. They're good. <laughs> very, very good. It was very peculiar. I have actually, via the uh, PR for this organisation, requested a bottle of Magic Goo. So, <laughs> see what happens when I apply Magic Goo to things in my own I, w- I have to say that all the other demos they did, they all sounded exactly the same to me. That was the only one where I thought, hang on, that does sound different. Yeah, um, the not. rest were just like, yeah. Yeah, what, what did they do? Did they get... move the tone control slightly? No, one that that's not the equipment they had because there are no controls of that nature. Um, yeah. So yeah, no idea. And can I also give a hat tip to AudioQuest for developing quite the largest and most threatening mains cable I have ever seen in my life. Oh yeah, that you was could <laughs> beat someone to death with it. 
and it would cause it no grief at all. It looked like the thing the guy was using to torture um, James Bond in Casino Royale, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, one, one of the funniest things I've ever seen was uh, it was a demonstration. It wasn't at Bristol. It was someone else where somebody was convinced that uh, different power cables changed the sound on, on this, this CD player and the room was full of AV forums members and nobody could hear the difference and everybody started stating, oh, I can't hear any difference, sorry. <laughs> And the guy was getting so wound up by this. He said, no, 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 you got to listen, you got to listen. <laughs> and everybody was just saying, nope, can't you hear any difference? <laughs> it was so funny, really, really funny. Bristol maintains its ability to uh, intrigue as well as, you know, show some random... Yeah, I mean, it's, unfortunately, it's one of these things that follows the hi-fi industry around, isn't it? The, the whole snake oil and stuff and you know colour your CDs not in snake green oil it's, mag- it's magic goo magic goo yeah and, and colouring your CDs to make them sound better and all the rest of it. It's, unfortunately it's always been around that kind of thing and uh, sadly some people do get drawn in by it and start believing it and then it turns up on forums and you spend most of your time combating this really uh, well basically at the end of the day it's magic goo snake oil whatever you want to call it and uh, it's unfortunate that the hi-fi industry tends to breed that uh, right so is that everything from Bristol have we covered everything we need to cover there yeah i think so okay and we'll look forward to the magic goo report in future podcasts I, right i gotta be honest i wasn't necessarily going to be pitching any magic goo related work to no i wouldn't be paying for that ed that's fine so yeah there we go <laughs> wouldn't pay any money for magic goo anyway uh movie news is next Okay, so uh, moving on to movie news and reviews, and uh, sadly I didn't get to the cinema again uh, this week, and uh, I've got my tickets booked for Red Sparrow, Steve, um, booked for Thursday night, and unfortunately it's going to be heavy snow here, so it doesn't look like I'm going to get out of the house and and anywhere near the cinema for for Red Sparrow. Um, Possibly may not be up your way, actually, because I saw the weather forecast this morning, the BBC were saying possibly blizzards in the south of England, so it could be my end that gets... Society society will ground to a halt. (laughs) We'll we'll see which one of us gets stuck in our house. Well, I mean, we can handle it up here. We we know what happens if if a small amount drops further down south. But anyway, um, I may or may not get to see Red Sparrow, but um, February will be finished, and February, the Odeon once again made seven Nineteen ninety nine out of me this month. Did you not? Have you not seen anything then? No, I didn't. Did go you see... do Black Panther? No, I didn't no? do Black Panther. Oh. No, I had to do Mute instead. So I stayed in on Friday night and I watched Mute. All right, okay. Good. Because you told me to. <laughs> you can review a film without having to leave the house. I figured that that should yeah, help. Yeah, I, I, I thought that, I thought it was handy. It's just a shame it wasn't a really really great film. Um, so yeah, Mute. It, it was released on the twenty third on Netflix. Another one of these director Netflix films. Um, directed by Duncan Jones, Jones which is uh, it's Duncan Jones Bowie, isn't it? Um, no, no, Duncan Jones. David Jones is David Bowie. David Bowie, real name is David jo- Jones. Sorry, so Duncan, yeah, I always, I always it's, it's Duncan up. Zoe Jones to be right, precise. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, anyway, I always get that mixed up. But anyway, uh, his debut film Moon, I absolutely adore that. I think it's a, a absolutely fantastic little indie sci-fi. Um, Film where a, a, a lot of it falls on on one person, one actor within yeah, it, Sam and Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. He's absolutely brilliant in it, and um, it, it came out and over that film, um, and I really enjoyed it. So I did have slightly high hopes. So I haven't seen Source Code. Um, I have it's on, it's in my to watch pile, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Still haven't gotten around to watching it. Um, 
but obviously, uh, I, I'm in, I was interested to see where this was going to go. I did proof Kazi's review before I watched it. So Kazi kind of set my expectations a little bit, having read that. I'd also seen that The Guardian had given it one out of five and so on. So it looks like traditional film um, crickets <laughs> don't like um, this straight-to-Netflix model in any way because the the I I think they've been There's really no way it's unfair. a one out of five. It's that not a one bollocks. out of five yet. It's it's it, nowhere near that. It's not a great film. Don't get me wrong. It's it's got its flaws, but to be honest with you, for the runtime, it kept me interested. I bought into the the fact that he was Amish and he was mute, even though it was in a futuristic world where he could quite easily have gotten corrective surgery and all the rest yep. of it. Had no problems with that whatsoever, and that seems to be the main criticism. Reading, uh, or but that wasn't that the whole point because his mother yeah. was Amish. She didn't let them do the exactly, surgery, exactly. So, so the the premise of the film, I bought into the premise of the film. I was quite happy with it. I didn't really question it because um, I understood it right from the start that that was the premise, and okay, I'll go with it. And I got to say, acting was was perfectly okay. I think it got a little bit, um, it, it, it sort of lost its pace in a little bit, sort of third act. Um, and it didn't quite, it, I mean, it had a nice development towards the end, and we're not going to spoil it, this is spoiler free, and the whole Amish thing, that's, that's in the description of the film on Netflix, so, you know, we're not giving away a spoiler there. Um, yeah, it, it, it kind of lost its way a little bit, and I, and I agree with Kaz. I thought the editing let it down a little bit at that point. I think the, it could they could have played the the flips a little bit quicker, and and it was like there was too much explanation going on where you didn't really need it there. Um, but other than that, um, I thought in in terms of the uh, scripting, some of the dialogue was a bit poor first half. I guess it's kind of hard when one of the characters can't talk, but. Other than that, I don't think it was particularly bad. It wasn't great. I was perfectly entertained, and um, I would I would recommend people go and make their own minds up. Don't read the reviews. Um, certainly, don't read the mainstream film reviews because I think a lot of these guys that are writing that, there, 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 there is an agenda there because they're scared that you know if if this is successful, we're we're going to lose cinema and all the rest of it, which is nonsense. You know, the two can coexist. You know, home formats and cinema formats—they've coexisted since the early '80s when VHS came along and, and threatened the cinema. And before that, it was television in the '50s that threatened cinema. Cinema's always stayed around because it's always developed and, and been a little bit different. And, you know, where can you go and watch a film on a 30, 30 foot or sixty foot screen? You're never going to do that in the home. Um, so there'll always be a pool for the cinema. So I don't, I, I don't see this agenda. I don't think it's—I don't think it will have the impact. That it, but I think we're moving to a world where you'll get same day day and date release streaming and at the cinema and you'll have your choice but in terms of getting back to this film I thought it was a 6, 6.5 out of 10 um, kept me entertained it was uh, adequate, it was perfectly adequate and it kept me entertained what did you think Steve? Yeah, no, I actually quite enjoyed it I thought uh, I think I'd give it 7 out of 10 I thought um, I thought the overall sort of mystery plot element was, was quite well done I thought the, the lead actor Alexander Skarsgård I think is uh, Carry the film quite well, considering you know for the, he's mute, <laughs> so you've got to do all through facial expressions and body language. I thought he did quite a good job. Um, it, you know, it looked quite good. Um, it looked great, actually. Got to say, in Dolby Vision, um, I watched bits of it on Dolby Vision and bits of it in the home cinema. Just and the sound design was great. I had like cars flying overhead and that sort of sound stuff. So design, no, sound design was, was amazing. Really there's, good. there's one bit where, where it goes slow mo and he's, he's he has this sudden realization that he knows what's going on and he starts walking in slow motion. Yeah, and every time his foot hit the ground, my whole room was shaking. 
Yeah, um, it, it was great. It's really, really well designed sound design. Yeah. So it looked and sounded good. Um, I get Kaz's point about you know they do one big establishing shot at the beginning of the city to sort of I suppose most of the budget probably went, but it still looked it looked you know cinematic and um, and a pacing I agree with. It's two hours and five minutes long. It probably could have lost about 10, 15 minutes yeah. and, and a bit, a bit tighter. Um, but I, I just thought I, it was an engaging tale. It kept me it kept me engaged until the end. Um, I, I like the setup and the premise and uh, the cast were largely good. I thought Paul Rudd was great playing completely against type. Mm. Um, not, not normally he's a, he's a nice guy and he's not in this one. And yeah. uh, that was he thought he was actually really good. And um, I, maybe my big complaint would be that the girl wasn't special enough to warrant the kind of adulation of the uh, yeah. But the, see, I, the main I th- character. But you see, I think that's kind of the point as well because. Yeah, I, that that didn't bother me one one iota. Um, I, I think bo- to trigger the whole plot, she had to be more memorable. But that's just a personal opinion. And she wasn't a very good actress, I don't think, actually, to be honest. Because it was a German co-production, wasn't it? And it was shot. Yeah, and it was it's set um, in Berlin. Yeah, uh, I, I, that's what I was saying. I, I think the you know maybe the first act, the dialogue was a bit poor, and and it was mainly a lot. Of it was delivered by her. Um, yeah, but again, I, I was expecting a little bit more. Um, in terms of scripting and dialogue, but it did it. You know, once once we got into the the the, the real sort of second act, um, it really it began to to pick up its pace. It's just it lost it again in the in the third act, and that was down to editing. I think I agree with Cars at that point. I think it could have been structured a little bit better towards the end. But you know, that's nitpicking. Like you say, for for the runtime, the two and two hours, whatever, kept me entertained. I didn't look at my watch once, which is always a good sign, because the number of times I've been in the cinema recently and been looking at my watch and thinking, oh come on, get on with it. <laughs> um, apart from Blade Runner, I cut that one some slack. I knew I was in for the long haul with that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah. I, I thought it was really, really quite good, and it, again, along the sort of same lines as Bright, wasn't great, wasn't fantastic, but it had some nice plot ideas. It was well acted, and and it looked good. Yeah, I probably would have been more critical if I had to get into a car, drive into Bath, go to the cinema, <laughs> come home, but just sitting down uh, in the home cinema and watching it, I, I enjoyed it. And um, I, wa- I rewatched Moon earlier in the week because this does exist in the same universe. As yeah, Moon. yeah, it does. And, and there's, um, a, there's a few nice nods in there as well. Yeah, it's not like a direct, you know, it's not like a sequel or anything like that. But there are nods to it, the, the previous film, which are quite nice. Nice um, cameo. I, yeah, and there's a nice little cameo. And uh, yeah, I, I totally enjoyed Moon because I do, I do like the fact it's a tight little film. It's basically a one-hander, um, aside from Kevin Spacey's robot voice, um, but. Uh, and it also has a nice kind of silent running slash Space 1999 real models 70s feel to it, doesn't it? In terms yeah. of the, the effects yeah. are really well done, but they've got that kind of nice. For, more look more for me, it, it came out of nowhere. Um, that that yeah, was the did. thing. That was the thing with Moon. It just nobody knew it was coming. It was just it was one of these films that just sort of you watched it and you thought, wow. And and at the time, it was it was really quite original compared to everything yeah. else that was that was coming out of Hollywood at the time. And Sam Rockwell delivers a fantastic performance in multiple oh, ab- performances, I should actually say. Yeah, um, and uh, he's great in it. So this film obviously is heavily influenced by Blade Runner. The design and look of it is very Blade Runner. Um, lots of neon and wet streets, etc. But uh, but yeah, as a sort of a, a sort of a, a noirist, future noir, I guess a future noir mystery thriller, uh, perfectly adequate, seven out of ten, and I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, good. Are you going to watch it, Ed? You don't have to go out or anything. You just need to switch Netflix on. Um, I don't know. I've been listening to music and playing Grand Theft Auto at the moment, so um, maybe we'll see. Possibly not imminently. I think is possibly the answer to that. As um, but yeah, it, it's not going anywhere, is it? So I'll get around to it yeah. eventually. I've got to say, uh, I did like Moon. I did like Moon. Yeah, 
I've got to say, in terms of production values, absolutely stunning. I mean, they're shot in red cameras. Um, I don't know who the cinematographer uh, is. I've never heard of him before, but um, it looked stunning in some places. I mean, some of the lighting design and so on looked fantastic. And again, I was watching it on the projector, watching it on the uh, the X7000 JVC in the cinema room on a big 10-foot screen, held up really well. And uh, lots of nice detail in there, especially facial detail. A lot of, a lot yeah. of real close-ups of faces in this, because obviously a lot of the story is told by facial expressions uh, and, and so on. So there's a lot of, of really intense close-ups and it held up really well. And like you say, the sound design as well was fantastic. Yeah, fantastic sound design, shot at 4K, finished at 4K, and Dolby Vision, if you've got that capability at home. Um, it um, There was a shot uh, towards the end uh, where he's walking at night through the rain and raindrops are falling in slow yeah, motion yeah. around him. That looked bloody amazing at Dolby yeah, Vision. It did, yeah. Uh, so, yes, um, certainly as with most Netflix productions, techn- techn- on the technical side of things, absolutely spot on. Um, and uh, as, as a film, thoroughly, you know, perfectly watchable and quite entertaining. So, yeah. Check don't don't listen don't listen to these reviews giving it one out of five because that's just unfair. Um, check it see it for yourself. It's there. It's free. You haven't got to pay. You've got Netflix. Just watch it, and all it's going to take is two hours of your time. Um, and you can always turn it off if you don't like it. Yeah, it's a, it's a perfect Sunday afternoon sitting in front of the fire if it's cold and snowing, which is going to be next week. Um, yeah, perfect excuse to sit and watch it. Right, films opening this Friday. If it is snowing, and that, you're not going to be able to make it to the cinema, so you're not going to see these. But what's coming out, Steve? We got Red Sparrow, which is uh, the new film starring Jennifer Lawrence, directed by I think it's yeah Francis Lawrence, no no relation, um, who is also director I think of the last two or three uh, Hunger Games movies. So she's got you know she's worked with this director before, but this is basically a thriller about a girl who is um, it's kind of like if you're familiar with Black Widow from the um, Avengers, it's a similar storyline to her backstory, which is you know, these young girls who are trained in Russia as to be covert agents. And they're trained in seduction arts, and also, you know, and also killing people. Uh, and she becomes a, a red sparrow, a, a, one of these um, covert agents. And then it's a, it's a thriller about, you know, her whether she's going to turn and this sort of stuff. It looked quite entertaining in the uh, in the trailer. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence is always watchable. She's a good actress, so uh, and she could do with a hit because outside of franchise stuff, that she does like X Men and and um, Hunger Games. She she really hasn't, apart from Silver Lines Playbook, she hasn't really managed to hold you know, hold a film up. Um, as the lead in terms of box office, so most of her recent films where she's been the lead have, have you know, failed at the box office. So I think she could do with a hit personally outside of her, her franchise films, and um, and it certainly looks entertaining. Uh, whether it will be affected by things like the weather, I hope not. But uh, but uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm up for it. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm booked for Thursday night, and if it doesn't snow, I should go and see it. Okay, good stuff. And what else is coming out? There's also Game Night, which is a comedy with Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams. Uh, about a group of friends who have game night every night, and then it all goes massively wrong. Where some something happens, they think it's a you know a joke murder, and actually turns out to be a real murder, uh, and they get involved in a, um, a bunch of criminals. Uh, so that's out. It basically you know uh, a, a comedy of errors, I guess is the best way of describing it. Uh, I, actually, I like Jason Bateman. I think he's quite a likable leading man uh, and good good comedian. So uh, might be fun to watch. I haven't seen any advanced reviews yet. Um, but uh, I think it's, I think it's uh, had solid reviews, and uh, yeah, I mean, if you're out for a comedy and, and you can get out of the house, then, then you might want to watch Game Night. I hope we're not making too much of this. It's just, uh, I'm, I'm just yeah, but be, there'll be, be a, yeah, there'll probably be no snow, or it'll be like a centimetre, and I'll be gone within a couple of hours. But anyway, that's not what the BBC says. BBC better say it. Uh, anyway, uh, disc releases. If you want to stay indoors, this week we've actually got quite a lot out. 
uh, as far as Disney. So, so the big release, the big release this week is Thor Ragnarok, uh, out on um, DVD, Blu-ray, and Ultra HD Blu-ray. Uh, I, I saw it at the cinema. So did you? I think didn't you, Phil? Yes, yeah. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a really entertaining, really funny, very funny at times. Um, Thor movie, easily the best Thor movie, and Thor plus the Hulk, and also. Uh, more of a Guardians of the Galaxy feel, but with also um, with uh, a, a nice sort of left field humour to it yep. that I really enjoyed. So if you haven't seen it, it is fun. It looks great. It's 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 got plenty of action in one it. But the, it's genuinely one of the Marvel movies I actually quite enjoyed as yeah. well as Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy, and I had that sort of tone and vibe to it. So and it was the first Thor movie I'd seen as well. So according to what you said, I'd, I'd kind of went in the right point there. You did, you did basically, yeah, you did absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's coming out, and I think that that's going to be popular. I'm certainly looking forward to getting it. Also out this week, Jigsaw, which is the latest in the Saw movies. It's a bit of a soft reboot, reboot so it's kind of a sequel slash reboot uh, to the original sort of which there are seven, seven Saw films. Uh, whether we really needed another Saw film um, so soon after that list, no string of seven movies, I don't know, but uh, it didn't get very well reviewed. Uh, it's just more of the same, really. You know, if you've never seen a saw film, basically, it's a serial killer who puts people into you know, horrible situations where they, you know, have the choice of either dying or living. But um, you know, usually it's for some sort of redemptive reason if they don't die in, in the process. Uh, that that's uh, that's out on Blu-ray and Ultra HD Blu-ray, and in fact, both of those are also competition prizes at the moment. Then we have a bunch of uh, new Blu-rays coming out. This is via HMV, HMV Premium. So you can buy it via the HMV website or an HMV store if you can find one. <laughs> and uh, these, uh, these are three Harryhausen movies. So we've got The Beast of 20,000 Fathoms, The Valley of Guanji, which is also the name of my pub quiz team, and uh, and Clash of the Titans. Uh, and yeah, I, I love a bit of Harryhausen. Um, Beast of 20,000 Fathoms, The Beast of 20,000 Fathoms is an early Harryhausen movie, uh, black and white Um with a giant, basically like a, it's a version of Godzilla, basically. Uh, the Valley of the Guanji, I really like, and I'm not, I'm amazed this has never been remade because it's got cowboys and dinosaurs. And you've got to think, that's got to be a side, hasn't it? Basically, they find a hidden valley where dinosaurs still exist. And there's um, stuff with cowboys and dinosaurs and an Allosaurus, I think it is, isn't it? Who, who is Guanji, um, that's, who's known locally, is now this, this godlike figure. Uh, and I think it's a really good film. Uh, it was anyone he made with Warner Brothers rather than with Columbia. It did have problems with the studio. I know you had a bit of a falling out with them, but uh, I really like Valley of the Guanji, and I'm, I'm actually already got it on disc, but uh, if you haven't got it, worth getting if you're a Harryhausen fan. And finally, his last film, which he did in 1981, uh, Clash of the Titans, which, uh, again, uh, I really like. It's got issues. Uh, everyone would probably agree that Bubo is crap and shouldn't have been in it. That's just there because of Star Wars and R2-D2. Uh, Harry Hamlin is not a great leading man, but Judy Boker fueled many a teenage fantasy for me, particularly since there's a bit of nudity in this film, which was a big deal when I was like 12. Uh, and uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a it's a really fun movie. You've got um, got the Medusa, of course, uh, and uh, Pegasus, and some cracking. Uh, it's some, it was his last film, and uh, they had a much bigger budget on this one, so you've got things like Laurence Olivier playing Zeus and that kind of stuff. Uh, although you could barely you know, stand at that point. Uh, and uh, the effects are, are superb. Uh, stop motion animation is absolutely amazing. And it was, you know, his, his for the last great film with a big budget. So they really went out, went to town on this one. Uh, and again, if you're a Harry Housen film, Harry Housen fan, you have to uh, pick up Clash of the Titans. So that's out. Then there's a bunch of um, eight, sort of 80s and 90s, early 90s, uh, um, low budget uh, horror films that were on the Vestron video label, if you remember that back in the day. And we've got, uh, the, the Gate, which has a very 
uh, very Stranger Things vibe to it. You know, a bunch of kids discovering a, a gate that leads to hell and unleashing a load of demons. Wishmaster, which is a kind of a genie in a bottle, but a, a bad genie um, kind of story. And also Lair of the, Light, the Lair of the White Worm, which was based on a novel by Bram Stoker, but directed by Ken Russell. So it's bonkers, obviously. And involves a man of Donahoe not having much clothes on for most of the film, as usual. And then finally, there's also Attack on, Attack on Titan, which is a Japanese anime series. It's season two of that. So quite a lot out this week. And most of those have been reviewed by Kaz, so if you want to see them, uh, they are on the site. And if they're not on the homepage, the easiest way to find them is to uh, go to the top of any of the pages uh, on AV forums, put your mouse over reviews, then go down to movies, and they're all listed in there, and you just need to click on them to read the reviews in there, and uh, they'll be there most of this week. Uh, so if you want to read those, they're all there. Go and read them now. So uh, what have we got in terms of 4K news, Steve? So in 4K news terms, coming out on the 20th of March... That's in the States, but I just imagine it'll be around about the same time in the UK as well. Uh, we've got Jumanji, which we saw, of course, at the cinema. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I thoroughly enjoyed, enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed it, and I wasn't expecting yeah. much from it. So so I'm going to buy that, because Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos, and fun film. <laughs> also announced, finally, although it's been long rumoured, and everyone knew it was coming out on the 27th of March, uh, again, around about the same time in the UK. And are you buying this? Uh, yeah, I probably will. <laughs> Steve, if you give them money... They'll make more of them. It's Star Wars The Last Jedi. And interestingly, it'll have a Dolby Atmos soundtrack, as all of Disney's discs so far have had. But it's the first Disney disc to also include Dolby Vision. Right. And then, uh, not announced, but certainly rumoured to be coming in the or later uh, later this year, are uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, uh, which Warners are working on. Uh, that was shot at 65mm, so that should look pretty amazing on Ultra HD Blu-ray. And also, coming to, to celebrate its, and I can't believe this, 30th anniversary uh, is Die Hard. So that'll Japan's be a, that'll be a Christmas spots. release then? Uh, well, no, because it came out in the summer, even though it's said to Christmas. So I'm guessing it could be a summer release for, for that. On, on, if, it's gonna, if they're going to tie it in with the anniversary of its actual original release, yeah. um, which is incredible to think that was 1988. Best, best Christmas really movie ever. <laughs> okay, so uh, that's all the, the movie news and reviews. And normally we'd have a, a conversation, quick conversation about some favourite movie or whatever. But seeing as it's a Sunday, I'm hoping you're going to cut us some slack because uh, we all want to get away and enjoy the rest of our weekend. So that's it for the AV Forums podcast this week. My thanks to Steve Withers. Release the Kraken. And Ed Selly. The head of Medusa, the Gorgon. Uh, we've been talking about the Bristol show. Don't forget to look on the homepage as well. There is a video coming uh, that Steve made. So Ed's done his show report. It's on the homepage now if you want to go and have a quick read of that. If you were at the show, then you can add your thoughts uh, and so on to that thread. And there is a video coming uh, probably Monday or Tuesday um, that Steve shot when he was there uh, of some of the products and Steve looking at the camera and um, glaring us all with light from his head as normal. No, we put a lot of effort into not not doing that. Um, it was, I need to stress, uh, I, don't, I don't want to be defensive about this, but it was, because it was really bloody busy, it was not an easy space to get anything no, out of. Listen, just, people, we're getting the excuses in. It's like a bad racing driver. It, it, uh, it was not it was uh, challenging. Yeah, yeah. It was challenging, especially with a bloody always, It's always challenging with you, Pierre. Anyway, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmarkavforums.com for latest reviews, news and video, and of course, leave us a five-star rating on iTunes, but only if you enjoyed the show. I'm Phil Hinton. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you again next week.